Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And good evening, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of We Got Next. I'm Ricky Hampton, along with former Milwaukee Bucks center, Paul Mokeski. Hope everybody had a great weekend. This is a, a little later this edition of uh, We Got Next. Uh, coming to you Monday evening, but uh, better late than never, Big Mo. That's right. Anytime is a good time. <laughs> a- absolutely. Uh, a lot of good stuff to get into tonight, uh, Paul. And uh, and already, I, our good buddy Steve Schroeder checked in right on time. Where to go, Steve? How you doing, buddy? Appreciate you checking in with us. Uh, Mo, a lot of stuff we want to get into tonight as uh, this is kind of the quiet time in the uh, in the NBA, but there are other things going on in other sports. We've got the NFL in training camp. Major League Baseball has its trade deadline uh, this week. But, but, Mo, you are a player and coach in the NBA. You played 12 years. You coach, scout and did everything in the front office another 25 years. But but from the coaching aspect, is there a certain etiquette that goes on uh, between coaches? I know you're trying to kick whomever's on that other bench, but when you guys go play. But is there a certain um, etiquette that goes on? Yeah, so you're talking about Peyton, right? The situation <laughs> in Denver. Well, I'm, I was going to get to that. Yes, I mean, yeah. Well, let's start with. It. I mean, yeah, there is. I mean, you know, it's a profession, and you know, it's it's a limited profession. There's only 30 head coaches in the NBA. Uh, however, uh, many NFL teams there are. There's only that many head coaches. You know, and then there's assistants. There's not. That's limited also. So you're in the coaching profession. So it's an unwritten rule. Is no matter how much you, you don't like or hate or uh, want to, you know, don't get along with or want to put down or whatever, you just don't do that in the media. That's, that's not the proper way to act. You know, there's different ways to say what you want to say instead of Blake, uh, coming out blatantly and saying it's the worst coaching job I've ever seen in the NFL. I mean, you know, and then try to, to backtrack it, you know. Uh, you know, th- th- there's no reason to do that, and they should know. And they know it's a, it's a really, really hard job. You get paid well, you're, you know, it's something you love, but it's a hard, hard, hard job. And you don't need any of your, uh, you know, compadres, you know, uh, sh- you know, shooting darts at you while you're trying to keep your job or you know, trying to move on or move on to the next job. It's just not the way you do it, and you know, most people. Like I know in that situation, you know, he was probably asked a question. You're a reporter. He's probably asked a question of what's going to be different this year from last year, or you know, something like that. And probably asked him eight times, so he got he got upset, and, and then he shot out at the yeah. at the other coach that you, you know this is the worst coaching job I've ever seen. We're, you know, <laughs> instead of doing that, what you do is you say. Well, uh, all I know is things are going to be different this year. We're going to do things differently. That's what you say. You don't have to throw shoot an arrow at another coach. Yeah, he, he, he said that Nathaniel Hackett, who he's replaced in Denver, did one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL uh, last year. And, and man, we've seen some bad coaching jobs in the NFL for him to call it one of the worst ever. But he came back today. Let me just play this right quick. What he had to moments. say today. Jerry, I had, I had one of those moments where I still had my Fox hat on and, and not my coaching hat on. And, uh, you know, I said this to the team in the meeting yesterday. We've had a great offseason relative to that, you know, and I've been preaching that message. And here I am, the veteran. Um, you know, stepping in it, and uh, you know, it was it was a learning experience for me. It was a mistake, obviously. I needed a little bit more filter. Um, you know, there's a pound of flesh for these guys, and, and as a coach, you stick up for them. And after a while, you know, 
we're past that season last year and and you know I said what I said and and obviously I needed it a little bit more uh, restraint and uh, I regret that. Um, that being said, what I told the team is you know if it can happen and I I'm th I think I'm pretty good relative to working with the media and, and pretty savvy and I just had one of those moments. Jared's a good friend, uh, real good at his job and. Uh, Two lattes in the morning. First, first one I see, and forty minutes later, I'm I'm regretting it. So uh, it is what it is. I, I don't understand that. Uh, what is uh, so? Did he not mean it? So he, he didn't mean it, or he doesn't mean it now, or you know he shouldn't have said it. I mean, that that's a classic example of our society today, right? Social media. On social media, you can say whatever you want about whoever you want. And most of the time, it's anonymously. So, you know, a Fox Sports or ESPN, you know, the announcer that he was, even though you could see who was saying it, he could say whatever he wanted to say. Because he, I guess evidently he thought that was his job or his opinion, which is awesome. But as a coach in the league, you can't, you can't do that. That's, that's very unprofessional. And uh, for him to say, you know, well, you know, but he just fumbled, bumbled around about, you know, what did you, someone should ask him, well, hey, uh, coach, did, did you mean it though? I mean, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you know, Aaron Rodgers. Here's what he should have said. Hey, uh, you know, I, I believe what I said, but I said it the wrong way. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and Aaron Rodgers, who Hackett, uh, who, who was Hackett's uh, coordinator in Green Bay uh, came to his defense and said, uh, he said, he is arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL. I thought it was way out of line, inappropriate. And I think he, talking about Peyton, needs to keep my coach's names out of his mouth. <laughs> what is he at the Academy Awards? <laughs> but, but Mo, when you get ready for a season, I know. You just hate those as you prepare a team. You hate those kind of distractions, and for the head coach to bring it on, because you know he's said in every meeting he's had so far, he's told his players, you know, be good to the media, don't say anything stupid, you know, you know, let's do our business, and and then he does it. It's so so idiotic. And here's the kicker: I mean, you know, uh, the coach that he said it about, he doesn't give a crap. I mean, he's been saying people have told him way worse things than that. I mean, yeah. but now, but now it's blown out of proportion, and now Rogers comes to his defense. Oh, thank you, like I need it. I'm, I'm a, I'm a grown man. I don't need you to defend me. I can defend myself if I want to, if I so choose. So, to me, it's, uh, uh, it's the media blowing this up. Uh, you know, uh, a coach that should have known better saying something he shouldn't have said. Uh, and and now it's just uh, you know it's just uh, media fluff. It's just you know it's just silly. And that's what happens in every sport. Um, you know we're talking about you know John Morant or stuff like that. And you know things go on, go beyond you know what happens to you. Because guess what? When you when you do something silly, then everyone on the team for the next month or two has to answer those questions. Well, what do you think of, you know, you know, what do you think of uh, John, what he did and what he said, and they said, that he, and players don't want to do that. They got, we got, there's enough, yeah. you know, it's a tough job. You got, you know, I got enough worries. I don't need to worry about what. I, yeah, what to bring it on. To, to bring, and you know, they play each other week five. So you know what, that, that whole week is yeah. going to be filled with questions about Peyton and Hackett. Peyton. This, just make this a bigger game. Is there going to be bad blood? And you know, come on, man. It's like it's so silly and childish. It's like uh, you know, but you know, everybody looks. You know, what do they call it? The soundbite or the yeah, the the clickbait or whatever. You know, they want to get that that one person saying something, and then everybody you know uh, gets involved. And you know, to me, it's it's just silly. I mean, but you know, but at the same time. You know, he, he knows better. I don't, you know, talk about lattes and what, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> you yeah. said the wrong thing. But you know what? Did you mean it? That's what, if I was a reporter, 
That's what I would ask them. Coach, we understand, you know, uh, things are going, but did you mean what you said yesterday? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's what I, that's what I want to know. Well, let, let's uh, keep it moving. I mean, and, and we're all excited about the uh, start of the NFL season. Think about it. You, gotta, you actually have a preseason game Thursday night. Oh, so wow. starting starting this weekend, we got football for the rest of the year, albeit we'll have a few weeks of uh, of uh, preseason football. But yeah, we 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 are on our way there. But more, there was a couple other things I wanted to run by. But but let me get to this right quick. Uh, hey, Mo, did you guys did you guys get a ring for winning the uh, conference finals? No. So that answers, that answers your question, uh, Steve. What, what uh, brought that question up? Coach Mo, you ever wear your Dallas ring? I don't have a Dallas ring. You, you, in the NBA, you only get a ring. It's not, it's not the, the little league or what that these little leaguers get rings for everything. You know, you know, you get a ring for winning the overall championship. You don't get a ring, uh, you know, for winning the Western Conference Finals and and and. You, we didn't talk about this the other day. You should not get a freaking ring for winning the damn summer league either. That's a joke. <laughs> that really is, man. I mean, neither too. You won the summer league. Oh man, you know, that's when you know when I play in the NBA, we get guys coming up for ten days or whatever. They'd be wearing their CBA ring or something. We just laugh at them. What is, what is that? Dude, <laughs> The cheese is a little bigger uh, up here. Hey, uh, some NBA stuff. Um, the commissioner sent a memo out to all 30 teams uh, regarding Dana Lillard. And, you know, he will not hesitate to find or penalize a team for tampering with Damon. And, you know, Lillard said he wouldn't hardly, he didn't know if he would play to the best of his abilities if he didn't go to Miami. I thought he said he would. He, he, maybe I got it right here. I thought he said he would. No matter where he plays next year, he's going to play to his ability. Isn't that what he said? Let me see. I'm looking it up now. Yes. Yes, the league went on to clarify that Goodwin and Lillard, Goodwin is Lillard's attorney, uh, agent, affirmed to us that Lillard would fully perform the services called under his player contract in any trade scenario. Yes. Yeah. So that. But to, but to even bring that out hurts you. The fact that people are even discussing, well, he's not going to play for us. Well, that's. I mean, that's. That's part of the deal too. I mean, you know, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, I'll, I'll say it like uh, I remember uh, Danny Ferry got drafted by the Clippers uh, in the first round, and he said, "I'm not going to play for the Clippers," and he went over to Italy and played, and then came back. They made a trade to actually Cleveland. Um, you know, so players can, you know, dictate some stuff. But uh, Damon Lillard's under a contract where he makes. 48, 53, 60, and 63 million dollars a year for the next four years. And he signed that contract. So, you know, he should, and he rightfully said, he and his agent said, what are you supposed to say? You know, my, I signed my contract. If it's Portland or wherever they trade me to, I'm going to play to the best of my ability. That's what the league wants to hear. And that's why we talked about the collective bargaining agreement, how I told you the owners are not happy with players like uh, uh, Simmons and and uh, hard demanding trades uh, all the time, the owners are not happy with that, and the commissioner of the league is going to put their foot down uh, about you know all that stuff, and this is part of it. Hey, now, 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 Paul, it was his uh, agent Aaron Goodwin who indicated early on that Lillard would not fully perform the services called under his contract. So they had to clean that up. So yeah. that goes back, that's just like a uh, Peyton, okay, are you gonna do it or are you not gonna do it? Well, 
Aaron Gooden's been around a long, long time. Like he, I've known him for a long time, and he knows better than to say that. I mean, you can say it uh, behind closed doors. You know, hey, listen, uh, Orlando, if you make a trade for uh, uh, Lillard, you know, he's probably going to sit out or he's not going to be happy. That happens all the time, but you can't put it in the media uh, that way. That's just, and he knows better than that. I mean, you know, that's so ridiculous. And, you know, the NBA is getting so, you know, players requesting trades is different than players demanding trades. And if you look at, uh, you know, nothing has happened with Damon, uh, you know, and uh, it's taken a long time. August is the, is the time where the NBA goes to sleep for a while. You know, coaches and general managers, everybody uh, go on vacation in front offices. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, his salary and his contract is already limiting any teams that, so let's take it by who can actually afford him under the salary cap. That limits him. Who, will, who can make a trade that won't tear their team apart and still be successful once they get him? That limits him. And then have a team remaining that, he, that can actually compete that he wants to be on. That limits him. So he's very, very limited on where he can go in. Yeah. Hey, Mo, I was just watching his uh, his highlights. Who has the deeper range in your estimation? Uh, uh, Lillard or Steph? I think Lillard might. I mean, he's a little stronger. You can see he's physically stronger. Um, you know, but hell, I, you know, both of them can shoot crazy. And, you know, you put a lot of guys in that, you know, uh, Luca can do stuff like that. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I think this was a clip right here where they were challenging each other and, you know, coming across half court and letting it fly. <laughs> I mean, and let's, it looks really impressive, but let's face it. If he's shooting 10 feet behind the three-point line right here, he's going to probably, even the, as a good, good a shooter he is, he's not going to shoot 20% from there. So it's not a good shot, you know. Yeah, yeah. They they all look good because we got them on, on a highlight reel. Yeah, you don't see them missing, which, and, you know, and, and, you know, those are kind of heat check times. You know, if I hit, you know, a couple three threes, and I'm going to go ahead and get one off, and the defense is going to be up on me, so I'm going to have to shoot it deeper. That's, you know, that's part of the deal. But, you know, I would say Lillard probably has deeper range to Curry, but, hell, you see Curry shoot from the tunnel, right? So, yeah. who knows? <laughs> And speaking of uh, uh, Steph, he, you know, came out of uh, Davidson, University of Davidson, small school down in North Carolina, seventh pick of the draft. And uh, he really credits his time in college for preparing him for the uh, NBA. And, you know, that's interesting to, to hear when you got so many kids now who will go straight to the uh, the G League or you, you got the uh, uh, overtime elite league? Guys go straight overseas. What what would you do, Mo? Coming out to today, clearly you were NBA prospect when you came out. You were drafted and played twelve years. How would you look at the opportunities today? Well, first of all, no. Teams frowned upon drafting younger players because they couldn't step into the NBA. Second of all, I played for four years in college in Kansas. And I bet after my freshman and sophomore year, I was not an NBA prospect until my junior and senior year. So, you know, you know, I, I went through that process. And, you know, like uh, everything is individual. So if I have friends that were I, I, it's individual on, on what you will do, what's best for you. Like I read that article and he went to Davidson, a smaller school instead of Duke or, or Kansas or somewhere like that because number one, his coach McKillop was ahead of his time with the way he played. He played, his teams played like the Warriors play. I, I was in Charlotte for a year. That's about 30 minutes down the road. I went to coaches practices. I watched Curry in practice. I had meetings with him. I actually tried to get our youngest son, our seven-footer, Brian, to go there. Um, so I, I, I went there, and, 
and, and he knew it the right place because it's a great coach, up-tempo, and everything was run for, for a step. I mean, they had a great point guard who I think led the, led the uh, country in assists that year. Number one, because he was passing to Curry all the time. But number two, he's a great passer. And uh, he, he was allowed to shoot deep threes. And if he misses eight threes in a row, he can shoot more eight more. So it was a good spot for him. And he knew it. So it's individual. Like, if I had a, one of, you know, if I had my seven-foot son, I'm not sending him to Davidson probably now. I'm sending him to someone that uses big players and passes the ball. Probably Purdue. That's where I would send my seven-foot son if he was a low post player. Their coach feeds the low post. They play double high post, high low post still, and their bigs yeah. get the ball all the time. So that's what I, that's where I would send my son. Uh, so college is an individual choice of you know what's going to do what's best for you individually. It's the coach, it's the system, and it's what you're allowed to do. And it's also personality. Now, uh, players have a lot more options now. I mean, you talked about. Uh, overtime elite, which is actually, uh, it's a high school program in Atlanta that's allowed to pay their players and their players make between minimum of a hundred thousand to 650,000 for the season. And they go to school, uh, and they play basketball, but they only play basketball against each other. So they're playing high school, really high level high school basketball is what it is, but you're allowed to, you know, work on your game. Uh, you know, and, and uh, you're allowed to take shoe money and all that stuff. Uh, to play on the in the G League Ignite, uh, you know, you're talking about a different, you're allowed to play and make money, which you make probably, uh, Scoot Henderson made 500 grand last year, plus shoe money. But now you're playing against G League teams, uh, which have NBA level players, uh, young and upcoming. So that's better competition. Uh, you know, and then, uh, you could go overseas now. A lot of players can do that. And, you know, from China that you can make one to three million a year, but they take veterans to Spain, to France, to Argentina. And those players, you know, make between 100,000 to 800,000 a year. So there's all these options that you have now. And you would have to look at your, 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 your son, your client, your player, and say, what is best for us for next year? You know, do uh, maybe we're not ready. Maybe we should go to uh, Atlanta and play in that and that against high school players. You know, get stronger, get better. Well, maybe we're ready for the G League, or maybe let's go overseas. But the problem with overseas is a lot of those young players go over there and they get buried and they don't play very much. So your stats don't look very good. So uh, you know, there's a lot of different options, and I've told people this all the time. You know, because all these players and I hear them all the time. You know, if if I could have played there and if I could have done this, if you're good enough to play in the NBA, they will find you, whether it's Davidson, whether it's Kansas, whether it's Ignite, whether it's Overtime Elite, whether it's in Italy's second division, they will find you. Yeah. Hey, hey Mo, I, I was looking at these uh, Steph highlights and we were just talking about uh, Lillard. And I guess we, this could be just a set of highlights we're looking at. But it seems like when I look at these two players, Steph is, likes to uh, get to the basket a little bit more than Damon does. Yeah, no, he's Steph's more of a point guard than Damon is. I mean, you know, you know, and you know, so he to me he has more options. I mean, he's a really good passer, uh, penetrator, uh, dish out guy. He can to me, you know, I had when when he was uh, in the draft, I had. NBA teams called me, and I had not only to watch him practice and, and play, but I'd seen him that summer. He was working camps, basketball camps in Charlotte with my youngest son, Brian. So I would go watch them play afterwards. And one thing I told Brian is, I said, no matter what you do, get on his team because you'll get the ball, you know. And uh, I told the NBA teams, I said, listen, he's a great scorer and a shooter, but he's an underrated passer. He's a really, really good passer. Yeah, when, could you see this coming for him when he was back at Davidson? Yes. Yeah, I mean, you judge on you know what the guy can do with physical talents and his mentality. He has unbelievable work ethic. 
Uh, he, uh, underrated, right? That's the show of his out now. And he's always had a chip on his shoulder. His dad was an awesome player and a very good coach. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I could see all the things he could do that he that will transfer into the NBA. So, uh, you know, and he, and he had confidence and he wasn't scared. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I told the NBA teams when they called me, I said, you know, people think he's not a point guard. He's not a true point guard, but he can play the point guard. And they say he's too little. Well, you know, I played against Tiny Archibald and, and guys like that. Calvin Murphy I played with, but they say we're too little. Doesn't mean anything. They're Hall of Famers. Uh, you know, and he can do all that. And uh, he just had that mentality. Yeah. Hey, here's a great uh, question for Steve. Uh, and we're so glad LeBron James' son, Bronny James, is out of the hospital back home uh, and recovering. Uh, Steve asked, Mo, would you, would you both make LeBron quit, LeBron's son quit if he was your son? Well, my uh, answer is, I, you know, I, I'm going to put that in the doctor's hands. But, but go ahead, Mo. Uh, I, wouldn't make, I, would, I wouldn't make him do anything. If he was my son, I wouldn't make him do anything. I would ask him, uh, I'd get a feel. I would talk to all the doctors. Uh, uh, FYI. Uh, there's a, uh, uh, a USC player last year that had the same thing happen, and he had, he had a very good season. He played. So, you know, I would talk to my son. Uh, I, I would uh, give him all the I would talk to the doctors, um, and then I would let – I would help him. I'd give him advice. But ultimately, it's, it's his decision. He's 18 years old. He can do whatever he wants. So, you know, I'm going to encourage him, uh, you know, to take all the information and then follow your heart. And, uh, oh, sorry, no pun intended. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but you know, uh, it's not uh, unusual that that this happens to players when they come back and play and have successful careers. Kansas State had a guard that it happened to at Texas A&M. He had a great year this year. So, you know, it's up to, I would say it's up to him. I would give him all the information, all the doctors, different options and then uh, help him make the decision uh, what he wants to follow his heart. But, uh, you know, ultimately it's his decision of what he wants to do. And then once he makes that decision, you know, if it's not playing, then let's think of another career for you. What do you want to do? What do you love? What do you want to follow? What do you want to study? And if it's basketball, then we're going to find out how do we get you into best shape? How do we take all the precautions so this doesn't happen again? Because let's face it, Anything can happen to any one of us anytime, uh, you know. So, uh, you know, just because you think you're cleared and you think you're playing and nothing can happen, that, that that's not true. Happen, it happens all the time. So, you know, I would, I would not make him do anything. I would get all the options, and uh, I would uh, help him make the best decision that's in his best interest. Mo, what's your what's your scouting report on on Brian? Have you watched enough of him? See what no. kind of play. Okay. I mean, I, I no, I've seen some footage like this, and I, I saw one game. I think he played the Nike game in Portland, um, uh, which is just pretty streaky. He's a really good three-point shooter. He's athletic, but he's not as athletic as, athletic as his dad. He's not nearly as big as his dad. He's a he's a tweener. He's a one-two, um, you know. So. You know, I've talked to a lot of people that they don't think he's a first-round draft pick. So, you know, I think he's got a long way to come go. And, you know, this incident's not going to help him with NBA teams. You know, it's uh, you know it's another uh, caution that NBA teams have to have him checked out thoroughly. You know, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing with LeBron when he was 18. I mean, he was he was already a grown man physically. When he was yeah. Eight, yeah. yeah, just look at him. I mean, you know, uh, you know, look at Giannis. Uh, what pick was Giannis? He was second rounder, right? Or late? Uh, 15. Yeah, he's 15. But look at the picture of when his rookie year to what he is now. Yeah. Doesn't even look yeah. like the right same person. Yeah. You know, so, you know, but he obviously had a seven foot frame where, uh, you know, Brownie is. What six two, six one, six two, whatever he is, there's a zillion players that size, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're watching uh, We Got Next. I'm Rick Hampton, along with uh, Paul Mokeski, former Milwaukee Bucks, sporting a new Milwaukee Bucks lid tonight. That looks good on your uh, mo. Summer league. Summer league hat. Yeah, it was uh, a couple of other items I wanted to get with you on. The, <laughs> the only, NBA. Only in Vegas, baby. Only in Vegas. And hey, and uh when Silver was out there, he he dropped a line about Vegas. Well, you know, it's not a, it's not a secret that, you know, see I think Seattle and Vegas are getting the next two teams, expansion teams. And I think they'll move Minnesota to the east where they belong. And then they'll have a, a equal. Um but I think yeah, I think it's going to be he's in three years when the TV contract is up and renegotiated, and there'll be a team here in Vegas, and I think there'll be one in Seattle also. Yeah. Hey, um, Joel Embiid, the Sixers uh, MVP. Uh, Grant Hill talked to him the other day about playing with the USA team, and uh, – uh, uh, Francis, uh, he has France citizenship, and France would love for him to play for their team in the uh, upcoming um, Olympic Games. Uh, what, what do you think Joel would do? Uh, and obviously, he's a great addition to any team he's going to be on, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, coming off the, you know, obviously it's his game. Got to. It's his option, um, you know, and, you know, I, I don't know, um, you know, which way he's going to go, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to look up. I mean, you're looking at uh, the, uh, the French national team, right? Yeah. Uh, so you're looking at uh, kind of trying to pull it up here. Um, Obviously, it's got uh, Wimbyama, right? Uh, the rookie, he's on that team. Um, I think I got the wrong team, sorry. But they got like, they got 10 or 12 uh, NBA players on that team, you know? Uh, uh, Fortney, uh, who's on that team, you know? So if he wants to go play for that team, he can play for that team. Uh, uh, Rudy Gobert. Nicholas Phantom, uh, Nada De Colo, who uh, played for the Mavericks, Mustafa Fall, uh, Evan Fournier, uh, you know, all these guys are NBA players that are playing on that team. So, you know, it's his choice. I don't know why he wouldn't pick the Team USA because obviously he'd be on that team too. So, you know, uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting. But I believe, I believe once you choose a team, you can't flip-flop around. That's your team then. For the rest but, of your and, life. And Mo, you coached in the Olympic team, in the Olympics before. Uh, I think you coached the Great Britain team. You were part yes. of that stand. Yeah. Why is it a little tougher for us? I'm talking about the USA to win now. Well, number one, uh, every country, all those countries that are in uh, Olympic level or World Basketball level. Uh, all have great players on them. All, the NBA is saturated with them. Uh, you know, all you know, you're talking about France and Spain and Canada. Uh, you know, they they all have uh, uh, eight to ten NBA players on it. So, you know, back in the day, you know, not many uh, international teams in other countries have any NBA players on them. When I coached in the 2012 Olympics with Great Britain, we had Luol Deng. That was our NBA player. You know, then, then we had some good players that played professionally, but and nowadays, you know, Slovenia has Luka and, uh, uh, you know, uh, all, Giannis is in Greece and, you know, all these teams have, have great players. And let's face it, other countries are catching up with us basketball-wise. And, I mean, the last, uh, uh, five, the last five MVPs have been international players, from Embiid to the Joker uh, to Giannis. Yeah. So Giannis, those are all international players. I, you know? I hadn't thought about that. You're absolutely right. Five of the last, the last five MVPs have been, and then you, you know, you, 
there's all the Lucas and all these guys are, are great, great players. So, you know, they're catching up. We are sending uh, this 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 summer. We're sending uh, the B team to uh, to the Worlds uh, because we've already qualified for the Olympics uh, for uh, 2024. So, you know, they're given the chance of younger players to, to step in and and you know, because you got to keep your program going. So, you know, I'm not. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the if Team USA goes to World Championships and doesn't win the gold this year at all. Because the competition is just that good now. Yeah, I mean, I, I just listed the, the team, the French team. I mean, you know, it's an NBA team. You know? No, you're right. I, I'm, I'm looking here. I, I had a, some of the names on the uh, team that we have going. And and this is a this is our second team. Yes. So that, cool. Yes. Uh, let's see here, Cunningham. Uh, oh, here we go. No, this is the so, USA Select Team roster. These are this is the third team of a lot of young kids, including uh, guys like Chet Holmgren. Uh, is yeah. going to go there. Yeah. Hey, that's a you practice. saw that's a practice team, right? Hey, you saw Jamal Murray when you were in Canada. You were coaching in Canada there. Were you get you guys getting ready for Olympics over there? No, you no, saw a young Jamal Murray. No, no, I was coaching a pro team uh, that practiced at the same gym with Orangeville Prep. One of the best prep teams. They had Thon Maker, uh, uh, Jamal Murray, and um, uh, the guard from Memphis that uh, they didn't resign. Uh, can't remember his name. Dylan. Yep. They had all three of those guys were on the same team. Wow. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna find that. I'm gonna find that uh, USA team uh, before we get out of here. I had it. I mean, if you look. If you look, I'm, I'm trying to pull it up to like, you know, if you look at um, the Canadian national team too. Hey, while, while I'm doing that, Mo, uh, Mike, what's up, Mike? Mike Jewett's checking in. He asked you, Mo, can Denver repeat as NBA champs? Can they? Yeah. Will they? No. <laughs> Will uh, they do yeah. a threat? They'll they'll be you know they'll be top four you know in the West but you know I, I don't think they they have not improved their team right and they lost one of their uh, role players so uh, you know I like the Lakers I like the moves the Lakers have made I like the Warriors uh, I like what they've done uh, the Clippers are still there depending on how healthy they are um, I'm trying to think who else is out here that you know. Uh, well, the West is loaded. The West is loaded. Sacramento's going to be better than they were last year, and they were good. Oklahoma City is maturing; they're going to be really good. Yeah. Um, you know, so you know that Denver's going to have a hard time, you know, getting to the finals of the West. I just, I think they were a perfect storm. They had really good players that gelled together at the right time, and they were the best team at that point. But. They haven't improved, and other teams have improved. So, you know, can they? Probably. Will they? I, I don't believe so. No. But, but Mo, one thing, that when you get in a series, man, you're going to have to deal with the Joker. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't understand why Miami didn't play there. The uh, Turkish guy, 7-2 guy, um, that they never played, that they should have played, because he could have banged with the Joker, and you know. But you know, you know, I don't know. He got LeBron and AD, healthy LeBron and AD. Oh, Phoenix, Phoenix. That's what Brad, Bradley Beal, Booker. That's what Steve uh, says. Watch out for Phoenix. Yeah, and they got AJ guy, uh, AJ uh, whatever his name is. Uh, you know that can. That's a big that can play the Joker. Aiden. Aiden, Aiden can play the Joker. He's big enough, strong enough. Yeah. 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 
So, Mike, what do you, what do you think about that, Mike? Uh, Mo says you, 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 you Nuggets have no chance. No. I didn't say that. I said it'd be an uphill climb. You know? Yeah. So, hey, so let's you look, know? right? Let's look. Uh, Nuggets have the Joker, they got Murray, they got Porter Jr., they got Gordon, right? That's yeah. four players. So then you go down to uh, Watson, uh, uh, Braun, Brown, uh, Kanko. I mean, how do, you win, how do you win with that? You just don't, you know? I, I don't know. Here's the uh, USA team that's going to compete in the FIBA uh, from August 25th to September 10th in Manila. Vancaro uh, from Orlando, Mikael Bridges from Brooklyn, Brunson from the Knicks, Edwards from the Timberwolves, Halliburton from Indiana, Josh Hart from the Knicks, Brandon Ingram from the Pelicans, Jackson from uh, Memphis, Cameron Johnson from Brooklyn, uh, Walker Kesser from Houston, Big Center, Bobby Porters, and Austin Reeves. It's not a very big team, Mo. No. Uh, you know, so that's that's going to be interesting, too. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's going to be tough. That's why they have Portis on that team, because he's a, de- you know, a decent-sized big. But in, in FIBA basketball, uh, it's about threes. The game is much shorter, right? Uh, it's uh, eight minutes shorter. Um, you know, technicals and personal fouls, um, you know, Teams are shooting threes all over the place on their shorter threes. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be some good games and good competition, that's for sure. And, and Mo, they can play straight zone too, right? Sure, yeah. But most teams don't because the shooters are too good. So, you know, that, I don't understand why they don't allow zone in the NBA. It's the only league in the world, the only basketball league in the world that doesn't allow zone. Indiana. Figure that out. Coll- high school, college, FIBA, Olympics, World Cup, all of them. Any, prof- any professional league in, in Spain or Italy or France or South Korea, their zone is just part of the game. The only league in the whole world is the NBA. It makes no sense because the NBA, the NBA has the best players and the best coaches. So why can't you play zone? <laughs> Uh, uh, Mike Jewell said, love to win. It was a one-off. Hey, Mike, you should love it, man. That, that What Denver did was uh, great last year. I thought it was great for the NBA to have a team like that pop up and uh, and, and win a title. And then, uh, interesting question here. Uh, what's your favorite zone defense to run, Mo? I think... And, and on top of... And to follow it up, why is it when... When teams go to these little zones in the NBA now that you can get away with, it seems to cause team problems. It does for usually a smaller time, four or five possessions, and then they figure it out. But that's mind-boggling to me. I have a zone offense I could write up right now called Horns Baseline that will kill any zone. And all you got to do is just run that. And also, uh, every uh, man-to-man offense works against the zone. They all work against his own. But for some reason, players and sometimes coaches get all flustered. And it's mind-boggling to me. But, uh, you know, in, in today's game, uh, if you have, uh, like if I was Minnesota and I had two seven-foot guys, uh, uh, you know, that are long and that are mobile enough to cover the corners, I would run a 3-2. Three, three up front, two on the baseline. Both my seven-footers would be uh, on the baseline by the basket and they cover the corners and the middle and my three wings guards would cover the top and the wings um, uh, of the zone. If I only had one big guy, I'd probably run a 2-3 where my big guy would roam the middle and then my uh, my two other bottom guys would cover the corners and the wing and my top guys would cover the, the top. So I like the 3-2 in today's professional basketball. Most teams run that. Um, and then there's a two, three, uh, and then there's a matchup. You just get an area and everybody, everybody just covers their area and finds a guy in that area. 
Um, you know, uh, and I what, what what was the magic behind uh, Bayheim's uh, zone defenses that he ran at Syracuse? They run a one-three-one that you could never run in the pros because it leaves the corner threes open. Um, but but Bayham recruited guys that just like we talked, where Steph Curry uh, went to the wrong, went to the right college, and I would send my son to the right college about coaching and systems. Bayham recruit, recruited players that fit the zone, long, athletic players that could cover a lot of uh, court. Uh, on the uh, um, uh, on, on and half court, and in the one three one, you got to have a guy underneath the basket that's long, athletic, and he can run to both corners uh, and cover them. So he he recruited for his system. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's smart to do now. Yeah, the problem is, it, I would not if I had a son or anybody I was recommending. I would not send them to Syracuse then because if I want my son or somebody to play in the pros, uh, you know, in the NBA, uh, if they if they go to Syracuse, all they know is to play the one three one zone. They don't know how to get through pick and rolls. They don't know how to guard staggers. They don't know how to switch and cover people. They don't know how to do anything they're going to have to do at the next level. Yeah. Uh, Steve wants to know who you like in the East. I mean, duh. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the Bucks are going to be there. Uh, uh, I think Boston's going to be there. I know a lot of people are upset that they gave up uh, uh, Marcus Smart and uh, they got Pozingas because they needed a bid. That's why. Uh, uh, Al Horford is old. He's a great backup big, but he's not a starting big. And uh, you can't play Lopez and Giannis and Portis if you don't have a big. And the Porter and uh, uh, you know, Pozingas is a big, legitimate big that averaged 18 points and 12 rebounds last year. That's a good mm -hmm. move. Uh, I, I think Portland's right there. Philadelphia has the talent, but they're never going to get it together. I don't think. Um, you know, but those are the top three teams uh, that I see. You know, Cleveland is a nice young upcoming team uh, that's getting better. I don't think they're ready yet. Uh, you know, but those Miami, uh, depending on if they get Lillard or not and what they have to give up for him. But even if they got Lillard, which I would like if they gave up a hero and, and a Martin and some picks. But the problem is they don't have a big either. Bam is not a center. Yeah. Uh, so they don't have a big, so that hurts them. I think it was a fluke. I, I don't know how I can say this, but I thought it was a fluke that Miami got in there. However, they did beat Milwaukee and Boston. So... Maybe not such a fluke, yeah. but they, they, you know Miami's—they're they're tough out, and you know Giannis missed some time in that series uh, also, so they had some things work their way, but they took advantage of every situation. To I mean, be tough. Boston had Boston had them on the ropes twice too, and couldn't close the deal. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, but Mo, that Boston, the firepower they will have with Porzingis. Uh, uh, Tatum and Brown, I mean, that's impressive. Yeah, here's the thing that hurts them. They don't have a point guard. So that's what Marcus Smart did. Marcus Smart was the heart and soul of the team. He was defensive player of the year, uh, and he was a point guard that passed the ball. And I don't know who they're going to get to fit that role this year. Brogdon can't do that. Who's that? Brogdon can't do that for him. Who? Malcolm Brogdon. No, well, he can't, but he's 6'7". I mean, he's not really a point guard. He's a wing. You know? Yeah. That's what yeah. I think. I mean, and he was hurt, too. He's, he's been hurt all the time. But, you know, I think they, they upgraded, you know, and I think uh, the Milwaukee Bucks upgraded just by re-signing re their players that they had. Well, uh, Ben Simmons is fully healthy. And he'll be, I'm just telling you what the news says. Man. I know, you just make me chuckle. Man. I'm so and, happy for him. How's, and he's ready to uh, uh, get to camp. It would be good to see him on the floor. This year. Yeah, for who? Is he going to demand another trade? Or you know, I saw pictures of him this summer where he looks like a pro wrestler. He's all swole up. <laughs> 
but uh, you know, I hope he's been working on his jump shot, his confidence. Um, you know, his defense was there, but you know, you know, you got to be on. You know, the best ability in the NBA is availability, and we all know he has. I don't know if he's. I don't know how many games he's played over the last three years. Probably twenty or something. I'm not sure. But but Mo, even even with that, let's say he he gets on the floor. You always talk about know your role and accepting your role. I mean, this this guy's a talented player. It, but he needs to find out this is what I want to do. Am I right? Well, he also needs to get a jump shot. I mean, you can't play in the league anymore unless you're a big rim protector. If you can't shoot an 18-footer, you know, and consistently. You know, of course, we see a uh, we see a highlight where he hits a jump shot or whatever. But look, I mean, you're guarding him, and look, he's driving all the time, and he's a really good driver. But you know, you got to have some kind of jump shot. You know, then you got to be able to make free throws to be an in, to be the impactful player that you know he's supposed to be. Yeah, as a former number one, uh, as a former number one pick. Yeah, he's uh, making what? 30, he's making thirty million or something, right? You know, so yeah. You know, oh, the Bucks new coach. Your thoughts? Well, I I, I know Griff. Um, uh, I coached him in the uh, CBA in Hartford uh, for a year. I uh, he was on the staff in Dallas when I was there for a year. He's a really good guy. He's a really good coach. Players respect him. He's a really good communicator. He's laid back, um, but he holds people, players accountable. And uh, I think he's a good fit. I think, you know, for whatever reason, uh, 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 you know, uh, Budenhauser was a great coach, obviously. But for whatever reason, I think the players, uh, you know, he lost his voice in the locker room or, you know, whatever. And they needed a, they needed a change. And uh, I think it's a, a good pick. A lot of those players know him. He was on the staff there before, um, you know. I think I can't remember who he's hired, but I think he's hired a couple good fits there. So uh, you know, I, I think it's a good, you know, I think it's a good fit, and I think having that little, you know, new blood in the coaching staff is going to help them uh, kind of rejuvenate and and uh, make a run for the championship this year. Hey, hey Mo, why is it coaches um, lose locker rooms? I, I, their message just gets old after a while. No, so yeah, their message or their voice gets tired of hearing the same voice all the time. I mean, let's face it, you know, but what teenagers, you know, get tired of hearing their parents all the time, you know, you know, it's just yeah. that's human nature, right? So, you know, and you know, maybe coaches get, you know, I mean, he he won a championship, he was coach of the year, you know, so, you know, but you know, people understand. Eight, eight months, 10 months if you go to the finals, 82 games, over 100 games, travel, practices, video sessions, travels, practice, video sessions. It's a long, long grind. And after you do it for four or five years, you know, things get stale after a while. Yeah. You, you're with the team more than you're with your family. Absolutely. No question. You're on the road more, in the locker room more. I mean, you know, that that's just the way life is. I mean, even when you're home, you know, you get up, you know, maybe your kids go to school already. You, you know, you go to practice, you lift weights, you watch, you know, whatever. You come home, uh, you know, on an off day, you eat dinner, you know, you have fun this the evening, and then you go to sleep, and next tomorrow's like game day. So you get up, you go to practice, you come home, you eat something, you take a nap, you go to the game, Get home from the game late. Kids are already in bed, so they don't really see you. So, and then maybe tomorrow you leave on a six-day road trip. Damn. Yeah. So yeah. you know, yeah. that's the, the glamorous life of a uh, you know NBA yeah, that's, player. You know, it's a great life, but it's not as easy as people think. When, right. You know, that's you that's two, two hours every every three month every three every three every three times a week. You know, you see them on TV. That looks great, but you know, they had to they had to fly somewhere. They had to get in a, a on a plane. They had to get on a bus. They get to the hotel. They got to get something to eat. They get to practice. They got to watch film. 
They gotta go play the game. They gotta no. go yeah. go after the game. Get on a plane and go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I know. Not as easy as it seems. Now, now you're put together. You're hearing the same guy every day, talking yeah. practice, talking the film session, talking the meetings, talking halftime, talk after the game, talk before the game. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. And see, on the college level, you can do that 25 years because you get new guys uh, uh, circulating in. Yeah, well, you only, you only play 30 games. And you only play 30 games. You only play yeah. 30 games. And you, only, you play two games a week. Big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No no doubt about it. Mo, we, we're almost out of time. And as as usual, the thing has, uh, has just gone by in an instance. Uh, Thank you, Mike, and thank everybody out there for checking yeah, thanks, uh, on us. Any uh, final thoughts, Mo? No, just, uh, you know, it's good. We have uh, the USA basketball that practicing here in Las Vegas. I want to practice. Steve Kerr is the head coach. I'm going to watch practice on Friday. They play the uh, Puerto Rican national team here in Las Vegas on Saturday, and then they, they go overseas. And uh, it's going to be interesting to watch those games and you know, hopefully they put on a good show, but it's going to be a tough battle for those young players uh, that are trying to prove themselves. Let's be the next batch of players. Uh, so next year in the 2024 Olympics, you know, you're going to see the LeBrons. I, I, I think Steph Curry is going to play for the first time, uh, which will be interesting, and all those players will play. But, uh, you know, basketball is ongoing, even though it's a kind of a dead period, still moving on. Hey, hey, but Mo, if we if we get if we get all our guys committed to play, we'll win the gold, right? Not automatically. No. We'll be heavy favorites. We'll be favorites. Yeah, we'll be favorites again because we won the gold, and you know. But it's a different game. It's shorter. It's eight minutes shorter. That's a lot. You don't realize how much that is. So mistakes are magnified, and the eight minutes helps the underdog. It helps uh, teams that are used to playing that that way, and are used. The refs are totally different. The refs in FIBA basketball don't care about if you're a star or not. Sometimes they take that uh, offensively, and uh, you know, once they start calling a game, anything could happen. And uh, they, you know, there's teams. Uh, you know, even Serbia and uh, uh, Spain and France and Canada, you know, they have enough talent to beat Team USA no matter who plays for it. Uh, I still would favor the Team USA over all those teams, but I've seen some crazy stuff happen. Hell, we in the Olympics in London, we were up by 25 at halftime against Australia. We ended up losing that game by 20. <laughs> Dang. I see some crazy stuff, so... Don't, it's not I know you did not sleep that night, Mo. What's that? I know you did not sleep after that game. I was, you know, I mean, I was, uh, it's not my fault. It's the player's fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I don't like to do it, but I'm telling you, referees flip-flopped and, you know. And that's what happened, like, I've told people this all the time, and I've told you this. Like, uh, the first half, can be deceiving, right? So like, uh, I was with Denver fans, uh, their last game and they were down at halftime. And I said, no, you don't understand at halftime, if I'm coaching, then I'm happy. We played terrible. We couldn't make a shot, threw the ball away, and we're only down six. That's really good. Because if we can play how we can, we're gonna win this thing by 15, don't worry about it. So in the first half of that game, every shot we made, we, it seemed like went in. Every break, every foul call, every out of bounds, we got the opportunity. And then in the second half, it flip-flopped on us. And boy, it was an avalanche. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, oh, don't forget to check us out on believe.com or anywhere you get your uh, your podcast as we got next. Uh, but you can go to Believe, B-L-E-A-D.com, get this show, all our past shows. Uh, for Big Mo, Paul Mokeski, I'm Rick Hampton. We'll see you next Monday. Peace, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. See you later, Mo. All right, man. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.